Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Who'd have thought Chelsea, you know, one of the biggest football clubs in the country, would get themselves embroiled in something? And only a few years ago, coughed up 50 grand to a man who was sexually abused, but he had to sign a confidentiality clause thing, which they had in the contract to say, you can have the money, but you're not to talk about it. I think they're guilty of a huge cover-up, aren't they? I mean, sure. Who, who authorised that? Who did he have to sign it? Who did he speak to who gave him the 50 grand? That's what I want to know. I tell you, this thing stinks like really bad at the moment. Really bad. Kanye West is out of hospital. Uh, he's not back with her again. He's living separately, like we care. And um, seven seconds to find an item. Sounds like a Christmas game, doesn't it? No, it's working for Amazon. You've got so... They, they time your toilet breaks. But that's, but that's called efficiency. What do you think you're going to do? Wander up and down and go, um... Uh, so how have you been today? No, you, get, you go, you do that, you get to put there, you put there, and it goes out. In fact, in some of the Amazon things, you can get them, with I think, within an hour. You can literally order it within an hour, and, and it arrives. I don't know how they manage it. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not particularly bothered about how long it takes people to find an item. That's like going into Argos, isn't it? You sit there... D-137. So you stand under sort of, you know, area D, and uh, and you can see it moving up the line. You think, come on, it can't be that bloody do. It's only an alarm clock. And, of course, you tend to forget most of it's plain packaging in Argos. And then eventually it arrives, and it flashes up your number, and you go, we go, D-127, thank you. And they go, dinner service. Uh, no, should be an alarm clock. <sighs> Hold on a second. Muriel, you've screwed up again. You know how bad it gets. Uh, so seven seconds to find an item. I'm not, as I say, I think that's quite good, actually. I don't get, they're being paid for it. Goodness, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's like coming out of the jungle. Uh, Martin Roberts, as opposed to, in all the papers, bullying Larry, tried to destroy me, blah, blah, blah. Why didn't he just come out and go, do you know, I had a laugh for a little bit of the time and I got paid money. I got, I had a laugh, I got paid money, had to eat some silly things and it's given me a bit of a profile because most people don't watch his, his programme in the morning which is Homes Under the Hammer. I quite like it. Um, he didn't emerge with any great glory on his face after all this, but he could have played it the other way around. Don't start playing the victim like, oh, it was awful, people bullied me. Who gives a flying forex? I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less, really. I'm more interested in the fact that he's earned a bit of money, given him a slight profile. Could have played it better, but, uh, but he didn't. So, you know, that's it. Scarlet Moffat could probably emerge, you know, as the one with the, the most cash at the end of the day, apparently they're fighting to get her on to tell her. To do what? I've got no idea. She's not going to be hosting this morning anytime soon. She's not going to be doing question time. She's not going to be doing news night. She's not an actress, so she can't be doing anything. What, what can she? They don't have any other programmes for her. Oh, let me guess. Perhaps we could always stick her on Loose Women. Because let's face it, Janet Street Porter can't be long for this world, can she? She can't be too long. So why don't we just take off Janet Street Porter, stick her at home... And stick on Scarlet Moffat. And that way everybody's happy. You get somebody younger on the panel. You know, nice, nice to sort of get younger people in there. Because as, as Janet Street Porter ages visibly before our eyes, the sooner she goes, the better. I mean, I'd, I feel sorry for her. I mean, she must start in the morning looking in that mirror. When she stopped crying after about 20 minutes, then she has to start putting the face on. And then she goes, yeah. And then, because, you know, she's terribly cultured. You know, she speaks really posh. But she has to put it on for the television. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right, all right a bit like that. Apples and pears kind of thing. But uh, completely the opposite of James O'Brien. Completely the opposite of James O'Brien. 
I mean, you know, I've been into it before and I don't want to, don't want to dwell on it because I know he listens at this time of the morning because uh, the audience on a Sunday morning for this programme is actually, actually very good. In fact, it's actually the best. I don't think it's actually been as good as this before. I don't, I don't know what we, what we attribute to that. I really don't. I should have gone out for dinner last night, but uh, it should have been 7.30, which is a wee bit late for me on a Saturday, as you can appreciate. And then they changed it at the last minute to 8 o'clock, and I said, I can't do, I can't do 8 o'clock. I was falling asleep at 7.30. I was struggling, but uh, I managed to sort of semi-empty the boot of the car. My brother now has a dining room table groaning. How all this stuff was in the car, I've got no idea. How it was in the car, I've got no idea. And then I had a thing happen the other day, and it happened before on the car. I think I've got a little um, computer glitch. It's because um, on my, like most cars nowadays, they, they, they've got computers. So when you take it into the garage and you've got maybe a fault, something like that, they, they plug in this computer on the steering wheel and it'll show them a diagnostic sort of kind of thing. Because I had it before where it said check engine. And I remember thinking, God, you know when you see something like that and it flashes, you think, oh, no, check engine. What does that mean, check engine? Well, I know what it means, but of course I can't check the engine. Do I pull into the side of the road? What was it? Do you know what it was? I hadn't turned the petrol cap three times. It clicks. And what you've got to do is you've got to turn it so, you know, normally you just put them in and go click like that. Unfortunately, not on, nothing is simple on my car. So you've got to turn it three times, which means it's airtight. If it, if it hasn't been... Turned around three times, it thinks there's a fault within the engine, so puts up a uh, check engine. So once we reset that, once I'd realised what it was, uh, and I'd, I'm constantly discovering new things about this car. So yesterday, and I had this about six weeks ago. What does it say? Check tyres. Check tyres. Well, I didn't even know there was a symbol for checking tyres on the car. And I had to go and check in the manual, which I don't understand anyway, so I do it on the internet. I just Google, you know, what does it mean, check tyres on an Anage Mulliner? And, um, and it said, uh, once the tyre pressure drops to a certain level, uh, then it will tell you. It'll also tell you if you've got a flat tyre. I would have thought the fact you can't drive the blasted thing would be the indicator of a flat tyre. And, uh, and so yesterday, it, it flashed up, check tyres. It, 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 it sounded a bit more dramatic than that. And then it puts up a little symbol of a tyre. Although you'd never know it was a tyre, because it's not a circle. It's sort of like a, a U with a little thing in the middle, presumably indicating the valve. So, of course, I was on my way to my brother's, and I thought, oh, I'll put some air in the tyre. Well, anyway, I checked the air in the tyres, and it was absolutely fine. 34, 36, or was it 32, 34, or was it 34, 34, or was it 31, 30? Anyway, whatever it is, um, it's fine. And I checked it, and I thought, that's OK. And, I get a, and the sign will not go off. Now, I don't know if you know it, but if you turn your engine on and off three times, sometimes it can reset the computer. So I turned the engine on and off three times. Then I put some petrol in. It's gone off now. The producer's car is very upset. He hasn't bothered filling up the screen washer. It keeps beeping, showing you yellow graphic. Yeah, you're supposed to... Actually, legally, you've got to have screen wash in, haven't you? Yeah, but I think it has to be filled. That's, That's part of the MOT. They say if you don't have screen wash in... And to be honest with you, I've got no idea where the screen wash goes in my car. Presumably in the engine somewhere. I've only just fathomed out where, where, where to put... Um, what did I discover where to put the other day? Oh, the antifreeze, the coolant. So uh, I've, got, I've got that green coolant. It used to come in pink, but I've got it in, uh, in green, which is lovely. Pink would probably suit Roy, who we were listening to earlier on today. You'd like that colour, wouldn't you, Roy? Ooh, sweetie pie. Anyway, don't go anywhere near his house for Christmas. They'll have no tree. The place will be in darkness, and it's probably got shredded neck curtains, I should imagine. Uh, what have we got? The Beckhams are selling their L.A. mansion. Apparently, it's just too small. 
too small for them. And so they're selling it for 24 million. Well, to be honest with you, I don't believe that the house has gone up that much because in America, houses do not go up like they do over here. But uh, it's too small for them. I don't know why. What's she having? I mean, they don't seem to have any friends round. She can't cook for toffee, I wouldn't have thought. She probably burns takeaway pizza. And, uh, And the kids are never there. I mean, Brooklyn... It hasn't got a skate park in it and obviously doesn't have a gym because Davy Boy, with the old chavy tattoos, he's got to go to the local gym. So they can't even afford a gym in their house. That's a bit worrying, isn't it? Do you think they've got a swimming pool? Do you think she swims? No, I didn't think so either. I don't somehow see Victoria in a, in a swimsuit. I really don't. Do you think she keeps the dark glasses on whilst, whilst she's swimming? She could do, actually, couldn't she? Uh, Michelle Keegan. Pictured out on the town the other night. You're like Michelle Keegan. She was in Coronation Street. She's a huge actress. She's absolutely enormous. I mean, she rivals Helen Mirren. and every- No, she doesn't. She's sort of a third-rate kind of actress, and she's, she's OK. She's married to Mark Wright. But the worst thing that they put in this picture of her... They've, they've got a picture of her in Manchester going out with some friends. Uh, I don't know whether he was there, but if he was, he certainly wasn't with her on this particular photo shoot. And then it said, she's going to treat him to a holiday in the Kruger National Park. And I thought... Shouldn't it be the other way round? Shouldn't he be treating her as opposed to her treating him? Oh, dear. Perhaps he's not earning much money. Although I would have thought he must have been earning a fair whack. He should be... What a funny Christmas holiday, isn't it, though, to go to Kruger National Park? Perhaps she's leaving him for the lions. She might be... Perhaps he doesn't know. Perhaps he doesn't know. I quite like the Kruger National Park, actually. It just sounds very big and impressive, doesn't it? You can go out there and see animals being eaten by other animals. And and it's uh, it's enjoyable. Although to be honest with you, buy a DVD. It's so much easier nowadays. You can do everything. Buy a DVD. I've actually toured the Forbidden City uh, in the company of a DVD because much as I want to go there, uh, but I want to go to all the places you can't go to. There are lots of hidden tunnels. Uh, there used to be a big private zoo. There was an area where all the concubines lived. That was people who used to be men, and then then they had bits taken away, and now they're not men anymore, and they speak in a slightly higher voice. But uh, but when they when they raided the, the the Forbidden City, you've probably seen in the Last Emperor, the uh, the concubines all hanged themselves because nobody wanted to be alive, you know, for when it was invaded. But uh, but the, you, you can go in normal bits of it, but you can't go in all the bits I want to go in. So that's why I bought the DVD, and I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, what else do we have? Um, oh, we found out the name of the woman. You know the woman who, is it Millwall, for teaching these little children to say this filth? Um, she's saying it's not her. Neighbours say differently. And who's the best ever Father Christmas in the movies? You know when you go to the... And you watch Santa Claus... And you think, oh, that's really good. That's really, really good. Uh, who is who is your favourite one? I'll tell you who the number one is a little bit later on today. And um, I quite like Alan Sugar's slip up on Twitter giving away the Apprentice winner. Should I tell you? Would you like to know? Would you like to know who's actually won Strictly? Would you like to know that? I can tell you all of these things on the programme this morning because I don't have any allegiance to any particular television company. And to be honest with you, I couldn't care less if I gave away... You know, I'll tell you what I I prefer to do. I prefer to have an educated guess based on what I've seen on the television. And if if I turn out to be right, well, whoopee-doo. If I turn out to be wrong, well, there you go. Uh, Also, the other one was uh, Daniela... I can't tell you what Daniela Westbrook's had done. I don't really want to tell you, actually. I've decided it's too rude for this programme for a Sunday morning. I mean, it really is way too rude. But there you go. That's poor old Daniela Westbrook's life, isn't it, really? Uh, The other thing was the, the Nazi POW who left his fortune to a Scottish village. That story I like a lot. And the fact that Rod Stewart cannot sell his house in Epping 
Uh, why? It's too chintzy. In other words, it's all frou-frou. It's sort of like Roy's house would be a bit frou-frou if he had any money. And he could sort of perhaps, you know, put some nice things in there. Like sort of, you know, dust traps or something like that. Or, you know, who knows. Uh, Cheryl says she'll be a working mother. Apparently there's an album waiting to come out. Let, let, let's wait, shall we? And Kerry Katona is very serious about not having another baby. We've got them all on the programme this morning, seriously. I mean, it's, it's really lovely that Kerry Katona, because we hadn't heard from her for about uh, three minutes, and I was secretly hoping that she'd emigrated, but now it turns out the dreary old baggage is still here. She's had all the, the things done for Christmas, like sort of tried to juggle the credit cards, I should imagine, and she'll need to think of something soon because there's no income. Uh, she also wants some her time. I would have thought every, every day is her time, isn't it? She doesn't exactly work for a living, poor soul. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, yes, Prince Harry puts on a headdress for a photo opportunity. I mean, really. And this is called work, is it, in the royal family? Oh, dear Lord above. Um, Louise Radnap. Louis, I can't even speak now. Louise Redknapp. Um, said she nearly quit Strictly. When she got there, she said, because all the girls were so gorgeous. And? You know, I mean, what are you expecting us to say, Louise? Are you expecting us to say, oh, don't be silly, you're as gorgeous as the next ones? Because you're not. You know, I believe, you know, in not being rude to somebody about their looks. I mean, if, if I don't actually bump into them, I pop it on a postcard and send it. It's so much easier that way. But, you know, what a silly thing to say. I nearly quit Strictly because everybody was so good-looking. Well, all right, so all the good-looking ones, and then you... And you just have to stand out, don't you? I mean, it's not your fault. I mean, you're OK, but you're a bit dull and a bit sort of a bit withdrawn, a bit emaciated, I think, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if you stand next, yeah, if you stand next to Ed Balls, you'll look good looking. There you go. Sorted your problem out immediately. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Katie Hopkins, this morning from 10 on LBC. She's not here yet. I can always tell when she's here because the place goes very dark and clouds start forming inside and sometimes flashes of lightning in the newsroom. <laughs> like that. And, and, and exactly. She, I mean, the, the electricity generally goes off when she comes in the building. Mainly because she plugs herself in and um, sort of tries to recharge herself. But normally there's a collection of broomsticks out there, the like of which you've never seen. What do you mean you've never heard of her? you never heard the programme? Good God, you need to listen to it today. Oh, blimey. Mind you, I think Andrew... Castle has definitely got to be talking about this football sex abuse ring because he said, I'm pretty certain he said the other day, that um, he was aware of it in athletics. And I think it runs through the entire system, doesn't it? I mean, let's face it, if it was going on at Chelsea and apparently one of the football coaches who was at Southampton left Southampton but is now working for another club. I mean, it can't be long, can it, before, before that? Now they've had 360, 360, I think, former footballers. Whether they were all former footballers, I don't know. That's what the official figures were. They said 360 former footballers who've come forward to say that they were abused, mainly from the age of 11. One of them says he was abused. He said it was quite normal for the coach to wash people down after they'd had a game, and he would go into the showers with them. And apparently this was, this was called, this is apparently what all the teams did. And uh, and so if you're 11, you kind of go along with it and you start thinking. The only thing I can't get my head around is why only as recently as a couple of years ago, Chelsea paid £50,000 to a guy. Now, what was he going to do? Did he go to them and say, listen, I was abused by this coach who is now dead, incidentally. But that doesn't that doesn't stop anything. That doesn't stop anything. It still means you can go ahead. 
But, and so they give it. Somebody obviously determines, whether he did it with a lawyer, I don't know. Somebody determines that the sum of money that compensates you for being abused at, as an 11-year-old boy is £50,000. So they give him the £50,000, but it comes with the rider. It comes with the rider. The rider is to not say anything about it at all for you receiving this money. The club says the decision to have this confidentiality clause had received significant scrutiny and it has now asked an external law firm to review the decision and make recommendations for settling claims in the future. Are they expecting claims in the future? And also, a confidentiality clause. What do you mean? What you're basically saying is that, you know, this, this man, Heath, had inappropriate relationships with young boys and men from the club, but no names were given. The club said with the limited information it received, it had been unable to identify any further individuals who may have been subject to abuse. But you knew about this one because you paid him £50,000. Apparently, former Chelsea midfielder Alan Hudson said on Facebook it was common knowledge that Mr Heath was a danger to us youngsters. Chelsea have said, oh, it's a very different club to the one it was in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. In the 70s, you obviously paid hush money to people, because that's what it is. It's 50 grand, go away, don't mention it. But, of course, we're in different times, aren't we now? And they paid that hush money two years ago. It said safeguarding policies were robust. Well, quite clearly, they weren't. Quite clearly, they weren't. You know, no matter how much they bleat about it. I mean, meanwhile, as I said, the ex-Southampton FC employee who's been accused of abusing young boys at the club in the 80s is still working in football. Not been named for legal reasons, uh, but I should imagine, as the now 18 police forces have announced investigation into claims of sexual abuse in football. Do you know, that would have been, you know, seriously, I can hold my hands up and say that would have been the last place I would have thought, because I always thought that the people who went to football and the people who played football were completely different to the people who went to theatre. You could understand it if somebody had been to a, a theatre school, you know, and something like this might, oh, sorry, might have happened. But I think it's, it's, it's not right, but it's, it's, highly, it's highly unlikely, I think, that that would happen. I've never heard of that happening before. So that's why, when it actually happens... And there are 55 football clubs who are now linked to allegations of abuse. 55 football clubs. This sounds like some giant conspiracy ring, doesn't it? This sounds like people were passed around. One of the boys in the, in the paper today, who's now a man, quite clearly, said that he, they, were, they were touring in Thailand and he watched the coach abusing an 11-year-old Thai boy. And you think, I mean, if you look through the allegations of historical uh, sexual abuse, North Wales, North Yorkshire, Dorset, Staffordshire, Greater Manchester, Cambridgeshire, Hampshire, Cheshire, Northumbria, Metropolitan, Police Scotland, Avon and Somerset, Essex, Norfolk, Warwickshire, Derbyshire, Devon and Cornwall, West Midlands Police and Kent Police have also said they've received reports. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's absolutely, it's even bigger than, than we thought it was. When it started, you just think maybe it's a couple of people, but apparently there seemed to have been about eight paedophile coaches Working in working in football. I mean, I, I think the England captains have now made this video. It's a bit bloody late. It's a bit. Le- These people must have known about this before. You know, I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I was watching that film the other day, and I've now forgotten the title of it, which was the film in Canada where the Boston Globe investigated its spotlight, and uh, and it was abuse within the Catholic Church. Huge abuse within the Catholic Church. There have been numerous films. The Catholic Church covered up sexual abuse between priests and uh, and 
children within the church for donkey's years. They just, but they were so powerful in Canada, they were able to take the evidence out of the system. They were literally operating a cartel. I mean, you can't believe it. Even in this day and age, it looks, you know, you watch the film Spotlight, which is, I mean, I'd seen it before and I watched it again yesterday to realise what they were up against. You know, the Catholic Church sitting there going, well, we, we don't think that we, we, we did remove Father X uh, to here. Yes, so he carried on. It didn't stop. There were investigations in so many cities involving Catholic priests. I'm sure other priests get involved with things like that. But you always have to think, if somebody's working with young people, they have to be vetted. They've got to get this, you know, I know that it works for the magic circle, because if you're a magician, you're working with young people, people want to make sure that they've got somebody who's been investigated to make sure they don't have a history of anything. Because it would be quite easy, wouldn't it, to be working as a... I don't know, God, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but somebody who, who works with children, somebody who's attracted to 11-year-olds and 5-year-olds and 6-year-olds and 7-year-olds, they would get a job whereby that would bring them into contact with people. So it could mean working at holiday camps. It could mean working all sorts of things. This video, which has got England's under-12 vice-captain uh, on it, who's uh, Nathaniel, uh, Nathaniel uh, Chalabar, features the player speaking to the camera, outlining the four key steps the FA says... Uh, it's eight and a half thousand safeguarding officers will conduct to keep children safe in football. But the trouble is you can't watch them all. How do you watch them all the time? There are thousands and thousands of children who go to football training camps. Not just here. They go to America. You know, and is this taking place in America as well? Of course it is. You don't seriously think it just sort of stops when you get to the White Cliffs of Dover and there's nothing else that happens in France. We don't have abuse of children. Of course we do. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, you know, several Southampton players have alleged they'd suffered years of sexual abuse. I mean, it's amazing because the ex-Southampton manager, Laurie uh, McMenemy, told the BBC he'd have taken immediate action if he'd known of any abuse allegations because nobody talked about it. Nobody. Went. Where were you supposed to go? If you're an 11-year-old little lad or a girl or somebody like that, but it does seem to be boys, does seem to be boys, it's a case of, you know, something like this happens to you. And you go, well, you don't tell your parents because you can't, because you don't talk about things like that to your to your parents. The Football Association chief executive, Martin Glenn, said uh, if there was any evidence of rules being breached and hushing up would be one, it would apply its rules regardless of the size of the club. Well, let's see how big your bite is. Let's see how big your bite is, Martin. Because, you know, if nothing happens on this thing, you know, then this would be a cover up. So, come on, it's, uh, put your money where your mouth is. You know, this is the club who are top of the Premier League. I mean, it's, it goes right to the very top. Right to the very top. I mean, it also happened. I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous now, but uh, it happens within the royal household. You know, if you read the story of Backstairs Billy and he, he and his boyfriend, they would sort of make life hell for some of the junior members of the Queen Mother's staff. You know, I mean, again... He's, he's not alive anymore now. But this this is huge. This is absolutely enormous. You're not telling me that they can, you know, even though they've got 8,500 people who look after these kids, they I don't think they'll actually get around to doing anything. I don't think they'll be able to. It's way too big. Because it can happen anywhere. You know, anywhere. I mean, how many parents send, send the kids away to camp and they go sailing or they go mountaineering or they go, you know, whatever it happens to be? Well, there's going to be people there who might not have been vetted. Might not have been. Did you know? I only heard the other day, and this isn't connected in any way, shape, or form. That if you drive a minibus, nine seats upwards, you don't have to be vetted by anybody. There is no vetting procedure. 
So in other words, I can go and buy a minibus which has got nine seats in it. It's a it's a loophole. So minibus drivers can operate without undergoing a criminal record check. So in other words, even if councils have banned them, unscrupulous drivers can still work. Department of Transport say they're planning immediate action because under the current rules, I think you'll find it's drivers of public carriage vehicles who are licensed by the DVLA, whereas the councils license taxi drivers. But of course, in London, we have thousands of rogue drivers. They're operating outside well-known clubs and the clubs know that they're unlicensed. I can see them outside big clubs in town. One particular very up marketplace. You could see the men standing around. Minicab? Minicab? They're illegal. But the club know about it. You know, that, that's what happens. So anybody who is driving a vehicle which seats 9 to 16 people is not subject to a criminal check. Take your life in your hands, don't you? And, uh, you know, for the rest of the country, it's different because you probably have uh, a big enough council to actually weed out rogue cab drivers. In Brighton, you wouldn't have anybody minicabbing because the other drivers would have them off the streets immediately. In London, it's a huge problem. The mayor can't even get rid of the pedicabs. That's how ineffectual the mayor is. And he certainly can't get rid of uh, rogue minicabs who are operating and touting illegally. I know, because I went out years ago with Ken Livingstone and the police, and they pulled loads in the course of the night. Loads of them. Anyway, we'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, we have got some funny stories. Ha, 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 ha. I do hope. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. <laughs> Happy days. 26 minutes to seven. Well, I hope it is. Yesterday was really cold yesterday evening. Yesterday evening was absolutely frozzy poos. This morning, it's not too bad. It's sort of OK a little bit. Um, a friend of mine, well, a friend of yours as well, Paul Smith, who's our newsreader. Not this morning, he's not, obviously. It's Glenn Moore. Doesn't sound at all like Paul Smith, he's Scottish. And, uh, well, he puts on the accent. Uh, because he passed through, I think, you know, Cross McGlen or something once. In Finland, which is where he is at the moment, he's just gone over for a few days. He says, he sent me a thing the other day saying, a salmon salad and a club sandwich and two colas, 70 quid. And I thought, blimey. I said, how much if you drop the salmon out of the equation, just have the club sandwich and two colas. And I thought maybe if you drop the club sandwich and maybe hold the cola and just have an empty glass, how much would that be? £70. It goes to prove, doesn't it, you go abroad and apart from the fact he's got minus nine degrees at the moment. Nick Dubois has had the news agenda set for him for this morning. There are other stories in the papers. I mean, there, there really are not not too many. This this football thing dominates, and I know it's going to get to the stage where people are going to go, not the football thing again, but uh, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, doesn't it? Bigger and bigger. I quite like the idea that uh, seven seconds, somebody working for Amazon can find the thing you've ordered. That's what they're actually given. Uh, Nick DeBar, who's obviously coming in to do uh, to papers with Andrew, uh, the former Conservative MP, big LBC listener, that's what we like. Um, does it make any difference to you that Alan Sugar has sort of slipped up on Twitter, giving away the Apprentice winner? To be honest with you, I couldn't even tell you who was in the programme. I've got no idea who is in the programme now, and I wouldn't have the faintest idea even what they look like. Somebody could give me their name, and it wouldn't mean anything to me at all. It really wouldn't. I, I, I couldn't... Uh, I couldn't work out anything like that. Eight four eight five O Steve at LBC dot co dot uk, and um, Larry uh, Lamb was a was a nasty bully to Martin Roberts from Homes Under the Hammer. But it doesn't matter. Listen, it's a television program. It's not real. They're all on a fee. They get paid money for sitting there being abused. I mean, listen, the biggest abusers on the programme are Anton Deck. 
They're the biggest abusers. Eat this. Eat this witchy. I would be holding them down and force-feeding them witchetty grubs that were alive and would wriggle and tiggle inside them. That's what I'd be doing. That's, a, that's the bullying side of it. We sit there watching people's misery. That's what you watch it for, Jane. You're not watching it for some sort of la-di-da that's te- teach you how to knit a moccasin or something. It's not that sort of programme. We're there to see a punch-up. We're there to see somebody being eaten by a crocodile or bitten by a snake so their face swells up. That's what we're looking for. It's, it's sort of, it's, it's just, it's pornographic television. That's what it is. It's porn for the masses. It's like, oh, look, Scarlet Moffat. Oh, she's had to eat that thing. Oh, she's going to be sick. She's going to be sick. Yeah, she's going to be sick. That's what you thrive on. We don't care whether, whether somebody bullies somebody. It doesn't make any difference. It's a television programme. It's called Entertainment. OK, that's what it is. So it doesn't it really doesn't make any difference at all. Nobody gives a stuff about it. Nobody cares about it. It's just there. But in fact, you know, I'm waiting for seriously, you know, somebody sort of to, to shoot somebody on the programme. I mean, it's got to be there's got to be they're just a bit too nice. People are going, oh, this is my favourite. My brother said yesterday, he said, this is my favourite one. He said, Scarlet Moffat's going to be a huge start. We nearly came to blows. I nearly hit him. I nearly hit but he was driving at the time. And he's a he's a much faster driver than I am. Put it this way, I'm so glad I wear the seatbelt with him. Also, I think I shall be wearing dark glasses forever. He's just so fast, so fast. But uh, he, he, he likes it. He thinks they're really good. Whereas I, I said, oh, I'm looking for something, something a bit more exciting, something with a bit more oomph to it. Somebody just sort of coming out and sitting down is of no interest to me. Danny Baker was bully. Who cares? At the end of the day, you'll forget about it. It'll be tomorrow's fish and chip paper. Nobody cares. Has it finished? I'm a celebrity. Who have we kicked out? Who's actually left in there? Is this the, the comedian nobody's ever heard of? Joel Domet, whoever he is. Sam Quek, who's the girl nobody's ever heard of. She was from the Olympics. I mean, she could have been holding a teaspoon in her hand, as far as I'm concerned. Scarlett Moffat's the favourite. And is there some bloke, Adam Thomas, and he was out of Emmerdale, but he isn't working anymore. And he's got a twin brother who's in uh, Corrie. Oh, he is still in Emmerdale. Oh, really? It's only a joke. God, somebody got upset, apparently. We said he wasn't in Emmerdale anymore. Perhaps he'll be killed off at Christmas. Perhaps he'll be blown up when they blow up Kevin... Oh, you don't know about that, do you? Oh, sorry. God, honestly, yeah. They're going to blow up Kevin Webster's garage at Christmas. That's what I said the other day. Do you remember I was talking? And I said, why is it that we have to have misery in the soaps for them to get the head? Because if it was, oh, it's going to be a Christmas wedding and they'll have fake snow and everything, nobody's interested in that. No, 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 no. We want to see Coronation Street blown to smithereens, preferably with Kevin Webster and his ghastly garage in it. And that's what's going to happen at Christmas. There's going to be an explosion. Now, whether or not, I mean, come on, you know. It's only in fun, because it's only a soap. It's not real. Coronation Street doesn't actually exist, but I know for some of you, it probably is as real. Probably for Roy, that's it. Probably some of his best friends, I should imagine. I don't know why I keep mentioning Roy this morning. Obviously got a soft spot for you, Roy. The truth of the matter is, I've seen a picture of you, and I could see you in something long and flowing. <laughs> the Thames. Anyway, so uh, I was sort of thinking, actually, why is it that we like misery at Christmas? We don't... All, all the stuff that's on the... T- there's nothing really that's like zippity doodah. Have a nice time. Merry Christmas. Or it's fresh or it's new. All the Christmas shows have been recorded. They're already done and dusted. They're now tarting them up. And so you'll see... Because you've already seen all the clips, haven't you? Of all the different things. All the different Christmas programmes coming up. So you know who's going to be about over Christmas. There's going to be a few half-hearted celebrities. In January, I think you get the jump. But they'll, they'll start filming that. I think now, I think they're already in, in the process of filming because nothing's live anymore. So Strictly has been finished. 
They know who the winner is. The Apprentice finished, done and dusted. They know who the winner is. And then people have... Because when they did the Bake Off, do you remember? We actually talked to one of the winners of Bake Off. And you have to keep it really quiet. So you have to keep the secret. Everybody's going, oh, how do you do next week? And you think, well, I won the series. And that's, you, you, you can't do anything about it. You can't tell people. I don't like to, you know, to spoil it for people. But I will be telling you later who actually wins Strictly and, uh, and who wins The Apprentice. Although, as I say, I'm, I don't know who anybody is in it. I've got no idea. Even if you lined them up in front of me now and went, this is who's, who's in The Apprentice now. And I'll be going, I don't know any... I'm just, I just, sorry? Yeah, I know Alan Sugar and I know Karen Brady. And I can't remember the name of the other bloke. Claude. I think God's name's Claude. I know Karen Brady because I've known Karen Brady for years. Uh, and Alan Sugar, obviously you, you, you sort of recognise Alan Sugar. But the people on it, I think they're the worst ones this year. I mean, they really are. They're just compulsive liars. They've got no sense of business, no sense of anything at all. One of them, do you remember? He said, oh, well, you know, because I've been dropped from the programme, I now have to go on and be a billionaire by myself. Like, you won't be a billionaire. Of course you won't. Oh, Struth. Honestly, what have we got here? Uh, 84850. Uh, Matthew says, if I went to an audition for the lead role in a West End play and got the job, how many shows would I do in seven days? And how much would rehearsal would I be doing before each show? Well, you wouldn't be doing any rehearsal before each show. Although, actually, in the um, that's not strictly true, because in uh, most dance shows in the West End, um, and I can highlight me and my girl, when that was at the Adelphi Theatre, uh, when Bonnie Langford was in it, she insisted on cast warm-up after the weekend. So they, w- they would come into the theatre early, and you, you just can't... It's like being an athlete. You can't just sort of put, put your shorts on and go running. You've got to warm up and everything else. And you have to do vocal warm-ups for a lot of musical shows. They would expect that. I would think most evenings you would do it. And then you'd have a longer session after you've been away for the weekend because you might have been out and got drunk and you need to sort of bring yourself back together again. But in the course of, uh, of a week, you would do eight shows. You would do two shows on a Wednesday and two shows on a Saturday. So there'd be five, six, seven shows in the week. Six, no, eight shows in the week because you work Monday through Saturday. Some shows do do Sundays as well, and uh, more more shows you do, more shows you uh, you get paid for. But uh, but I mean, it's highly unlikely, Matthew, that you would actually uh, audition for a lead role in the West End and get it. I mean, I can just tell by your very asking of it, because if you don't know how many shows you would do in seven days, there's no chance that you can act your way out of a toffee wrapper. So there's going to be no chance at all for you. But it doesn't matter. You could, if, if, if you can be a little bit quicker, you can get a job with Amazon. I can put you up for that one. And you can have your own trolley and whiz around on the floor. But uh, woe betide if you take too long in the toilet. They dock your money. They're not happy about things like that. They actually time you if your toilet breaks. You imagine being timed for a toilet break. I think it's quite funny, actually. But I still like them. Because I've just done all my shopping on Amazon. It doesn't always come from Amazon, it comes from other places, but I mean, it's just, it's so much easier. I said to my, because my brother went, right, and he looked at all this stuff, and there's everything, he's got all sorts of things. Scarves, I bought some scarves in Costco, they're, they're nice cashmere scarves, only sort of like 20 quid each, but uh, he said, I'll give those to, to the girls. So the girls actually are doing very well for, for Christmas this year, Every, in fact, everybody's done really well. We haven't even got as far as Christmas, and already I'm sort of, I'm thinking about next year. I've got the tree up. I should have taken a picture of it, shouldn't I? It's actually, it's a seven-foot tree. Seven-foot tree. And I nearly bought the lights that are on sale in Robert Dias, which you put the ring over the tree and then the lights drape down, the easiest way of doing it. And then I thought, oh, I don't know, really. Do I want to do that? I've got so many sets of lights. Seriously. Okay, I've given my brother two sets of lights. 
and uh, and I've got two sets of lights on the tree, one on the tree outside, and uh, and I've gone for the car, which I should probably switch on it. They're just battery operated little little lights, nothing nothing particularly exciting. Uh, misery on the cards, I'm afraid, as the post office staff plan a Christmas week strike. Please don't go on strike. Don't ruin Christmas for people. Please, it's just not nice. It's because all you're doing is upsetting the public, and uh, I like my postman. And uh, I like the lady who delivers the parcels. In fact, I like all the post people. They're all they're all really good. Please, please don't go on strike. Not at Christmas. Do it, do it after Christmas. Listen, if you really want to get back at your bosses, do something after Christmas. Don't do it for the public. Don't do it for the public because that's that's just not nice, is it? Uh, what else do we have for you this morning? Uh, oh, Prince Harry. I'm so bored. It's it's just so tough, isn't it, being Prince Harry? You know, representing the Queen, but only in sort of. In sort of name, I suppose, because certainly not in clothes again. This time they managed to get him to put a little headdress on. It's just photo opportunity. I don't really know. And then he had to sit down and listen to them talking about the environment. and Do you think it goes in one ear and floats through the other? I suspect probably yes. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 13 minutes to six. You don't need to worry about the time, do you? There's no point in worrying on a Sunday morning about... You know, somebody on the radio droning on about, oh, it's 12 minutes to six, it's eight minutes to six, it's five minutes to six, oh, it's six o'clock. You know, nobody cares. Yes, what's your favourite time of the morning? The time when Steve Allen doesn't give us the time. That's my favourite time of the morning. I don't know why radio presenters do it. I think they, they do it just because it's something to say, isn't it? It's like sort of repeating, a bit parrot-like, you know, and it's 12 minutes to six. And they, and they do, uh, everybody having a good day out here. We're having a sensational day in here. You know, and you're, you're expected to buy into this kind of thing. Whereas, in fact, really, all we want to do is just take take the mickey out of the newspapers and see what little stories are going on. You'll be delighted to know that uh, Gaza is back in cocaine shock. I've seriously lost the will to live with uh, with Paul Gascoigne. I mean, I really have. I just don't I don't kind of understand it at all. This advert here on the television. You see, this, sorry, this, this advert on Sky with all these things here. That's Church Street in Twickenham. We haven't got lights like that. These are all superimposed. All these lights are superimposed. That's, it's the Christmas Premier League coverage, but these lights don't exist. They're made up. And I thought I'd recognise Church Street. Sorry, I digress. I moved away from you. I'm so sorry. Yes, uh, Gazza in cocaine shock. Who cares? I, so I couldn't, you know, if, if he chooses to go on a drinks bender, he's had the drying out process, he's had everything, he's had every bit of uh, help that there is known to man, and still he's basically stuck two fingers up. He's obviously not well. What do we do? Section him? I don't know. I don't know. He's just on a, on a self-destruct, isn't he, really? Uh, Maddie, new gang probe. OK, all these years later, uh, cops brief officials over important tip. Uh, they now say that Madeline was kidnapped by a trafficking gang in Portugal in 2007 when she was three. And so they've now said that uh, this is the last link and um, uh, they, they actually took pictures of her. So they say it could end up proving that she's still alive nearly ten years after she vanished. Well, who, who is this gang? Who is this mythical gang? Tips may prove she's still alive. Search extended by months. It doesn't matter whether she's still alive... She's not going to be Madeleine McCann, is she? She's going to be somebody speaking a different language. She's not going to have any recollection at the age... Of, I mean, how many of you can remember three years old? I can't remember three years old. I've difficulty remembering last Tuesday week. Nearly ten years. You know, if, if she was kidnapped by a gang, and they put up this theory before now that she was trafficked, or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's no chance of them solving this thing anytime soon. There's no CCTV. There is no nothing. There are no witnesses. But uh, somebody says yet 
the mystery may yet be solved. No chance. No chance. I know that sounds really harsh, but to be honest with you, there's no nothing. They've got nothing. Why have they come up with this now? They're just dragging this out. Because whoever she is, she's not Madeleine McCann. She's going she's to look so different. She could be speaking another language. It could be anything. I mean, I just don't believe children vanish into thin air, which is what appeared to have happened with her. She just disappeared. Nobody saw anything. So she must have been taken by somebody and then taken abroad. And she, it would be easy. She'd be half asleep. You just take her somewhere else and then she grows up with other people. She doesn't know. She won't have any, any recollection of her, of her former life for those three short years. So that's why there are no new leads. You know, where are these new... Why have they just come to light now? Again, it's just like, you know... I mean, well, I think it's highly likely she won't be speaking English. I would think it's very likely if she was nicked by a, so they say, a Portuguese trafficking gang. I mean, she's going to be speaking Portuguese, isn't she? From the age of three. She won't know. She won't know. Uh, So, New Year, an arson attack devastated, uh, or will devastate, Kevin Webster's garage. About blooming time. How we ever got any business, I'll never know. And that apparently is their riveting storyline in Coronation Street. I mean, it's it's as bad as that. I mean, I suppose over in EastEnders, we could have the uh, the Queen Vic blown up, couldn't we? Could there be an arson attack on the Queen Vic? Have you ever seen money change hands in the Queen Vic? Do they do, do people pay for drinks over the bar? And are they are they proper? No, we know they're not proper drinks. If they were, some of the takes they've had to do time and time again, you'd be th- th- Doc Cotton would be face down on the carpet. Be no chance of her surviving three takes. Uh, so bottle of gin, cocaine, and then Gazza ended up in hospital. As I say, I, I really couldn't care less. And, and then his daughter went there. That was lucky, with um, with a cameraman. So they've so they've got pictures or hidden hidden pictures uh, of him. It's a bit uh, bit shallow, isn't it? But there you go. She's always managed to milk the name Gascoigne, so she might as well continue doing it now. He doesn't know where he is. He's got no idea. He's he's in serious need of help. But I don't know how much help we can offer. I really don't know. He's he's been everywhere. He's been everywhere. He's had you know the best. The best care that you can get. You know, people helped him out and um, nothing else. Nothing else at all. Uh, we've got a story about uh, the woman in the sick video teaching youngsters of seen football chants has been named. Uh, this woman dubbed vile and disgusting. She was recorded chanting. I won't go into it because it's too filthy on this programme. Uh, she was identified as the woman in the video but denied any knowledge of it at a home in Bermondsey. Uh, a power, a neighbour confirmed. That's definitely her in the video. It was reported she might be the children's grandmother, but she's a family friend of the mother who filmed it. Pathetic people, aren't they, really? Pathetic people. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, yes, Moffat set to make millions, TV bosses bidding war. I don't know why. Get her really cheap. You don't, she's not set to make millions at all. Why would she set to make millions? Through to, as I said, putting her where? Putting her where? I don't know. You know, you see somebody on the television. Let's have a quick look through here. Uh, Channel 4 and ITV are both interested in signing her up for their channel. What for? Before she's already on Channel Four, isn't she? Isn't that where Gogglebox comes from? And um, apparently, Scarlett will be ecstatic, says her agent. And uh, telly moguls have been impressed with her winning personality. Yeah, but what what does that mean, though? It just means she's good at doing. That's why she was on Gogglebox. I'm assuming that uh, she's going to launch a fitness DVD, which is being tipped to top the charts. Of course, because it's just it's just fake, isn't it? She'll balloon back up again. Everybody does, and. Um, they say she she could move down to London for a couple of years to see how things go. Why would you think being in London is the be-all and end-all? Stay where you are, dear. You know, and then you pop down for bits of work. You don't need to be in London. There's no immediate work for you here anyway. 
And so what they're all saying is that she can do sort of different programmes. But what? I mean, I, I just don't know what programmes we think she can do. There aren't any vacancies. ITV, she's not going to be the new Anton Deck, put it that way. She's not going to lead loose women. She's not bright enough for something like that. She might be good enough for eating um, and throwing up, you know, items of food. But it just doesn't mean you're a good presenter. So where where do you put her? She's not going to be reading the weather anytime soon, is she? Not going to be hosting Good Morning Britain, you know, Susanna Reid and Scarlett Moffat. I don't think so. She's not going to be sort of double heading with anybody. They're not going to give her a quiz show. So where you know what is this bidding war? I don't understand what you're bidding for. You're bidding for for nothing. You're bidding for absolutely nothing at all. Uh, the the famous five are back on top. It's a series of tongue-in-cheek books. I bought them, actually, because I thought they'd make great Christmas present. They reckon by the year's end, they'll have sold 800,000 copies because there is five give up the booze, five go gluten-free, five go on a strategy away day, five go on parenting, and five on Brexit Island. And they're, they just, they're, they're for adults. They're adult books. I like, I like five give up the booze. I think that's quite a good one. So I gave that to my brother yesterday. Not that he drinks in any way, shape or form. Well, he may have some usual sort of drinks, but uh, certainly nothing to excess. And so that's why I, I thought they're quite funny. And they look like the old famous five books. They're, they're really lovely, actually. Uh, Anna says, I like The Apprentice. I've spoken to Alan Sugar. I agree with you. This year, they're the worst bunch. Well, th- this is the worst bunch of liars. I've ever seen. This is the worst bunch of... Because I seriously don't know what, where they're coming from. They sit there and go, oh, yes, you know, no is, is, not, is not a normal answer. And they come up with all this rubbish that they've obviously read somewhere off the back of a cornflakes packet. And then when it actually comes to it, they can't do anything at all. I mean, they really are blooming useless. Really useless. Uh, Joanne says, I care what time it is. I have to be in work in just over an hour. Well, you'll just have to buy a watch, girly. Start making out that I'm here just to read the time for you. Absolutely not. In fact, now I'm deliberately not going to read the time out until the end of the programme. And then you'll be late for work and then you'll be in big trouble. And then there'll be a miserable Christmas. Why do people say, I need to know the time? Yes, you'll have to phone one, two, three for the speaking clock, OK? Can you afford it? We'll do it. Coming on to me saying, I need to know the time. You're not getting it on this programme, I'm telling you. We take no prisoners. I just think it's a point. It's like the weather. Oh, well, I need to know what the weather is, Steve. Well, look outside the window. Well, it doesn't help, does it? I need to know long-term weather forecast. All right, for today, might rain. There you go. How much more do you need to know? Might rain, might not rain. Uh, Jack says, uh, we went to get our nine-foot Christmas tree from the farm yesterday. I was amazed when they said they could deliver it same day. Oh, yes, I mean, if, if you're buying a nine-foot tree, I should imagine you probably paid about 70 quid for a nine-foot. They're going, on average, about 25, 30, 40, 45, 50. That's about average. Uh, you know, which is nice, actually. Somebody else uh, put their uh, tree up as well, uh, which is very nice indeed. And this is uh, Jackie in Biggin Hill. Uh, seven foot five. She said, I've just got up to decorate it. I'd love it if you could start your Christmas chit-chat as I'm a little bit excited. Well, it's not long, is it? I mean, I've got so many things to do over the next two weeks. It's what? Yeah, we started Christmas chat weeks ago. And uh, <laughs> and uh, it was it was fantastic. And then people writing again, oh, don't talk about Christmas. Don't mention Christmas. And now all of a sudden start talking about Christmas. Well, I've been doing it for ages and ages, mainly because I love it. And every... Are they all decorated, all the other studios? Are they really? Yeah. Are they... De- yeah. We do- Perhaps I might buy some tinsel today and sort of tie it round in here. But then Nick Abbott might come in and take it away. Oh, so he sit through... Oh, right. Oh, I might bring in a little tree or something. So make it fe- Somebody will probably pinch it. 
Somebody will pinch it. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And um, somebody says here, uh, da, 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 as usual, the show is a brain motivator. I think, I think for that read, it sort of kick-starts your first thing in the morning. In the 60s, I was in the Cubs and Scouts, then later in the Army Cadets, all run by much older men, and I can honestly say I never heard or experienced of any sexual behaviour taking place. It seems that in all areas where abuse takes place, there's an element of the abuser having control and power over your future prospects. Yes. Yes. Actually, I, I could tell you a very pertinent story. Uh, a real pertinent story. And uh, it, it's actually very apropos for the for the time, but I shall I shall save it for a, perhaps the book. I think it's a, it's a very pertinent story, and it actually hits exactly on the head where you're what, what you're talking about: the abuser having control and power over your future prospects. In other words, you know, if if you want to be this person here, you're going to need to put out. Heard that one before? You know, why don't we go out for a drink and then we'll sort of talk about how you're going to get on in the business, kind of thing. You think what does that mean? You know, would you like to come out to my place for a cup of coffee? I don't think so. No, I'm not really a coffee drinker. A little bit worrying. Coming up to news at six o'clock this Sunday morning, the football sex abuse ring did exist. And quite clearly they knew about it at Chelsea. That's why they paid £50,000. And only two years ago. Only two years ago. Uh, Prince Harry putting on his headdress for a photo opportunity. He's really turning into the embarrassing uncle, isn't he, really? Uh, seven seconds to find an item. You must be working for Amazon. The shop's secret floor patterns, which make you linger longer. I don't quite know how that works. It's one of these psychosomatic things. Uh, Rod can't sell his house. It's way too chintzy. The Nazi POW who left his fortune to a Scottish village because um, because he liked them. And the forgers creating a shopper stamp Eid. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Sunday, 4th of December. I think this is going to be a really busy Sunday, I think it's going to be busy in so much as you're all going to want to get out there and try and get as much shopping done as possible. Why people want to traipse up and down the streets when they're so packed with people, I'm never quite got to grips with. As I say, I do everything online, and uh, that way so much easier, so much easier. Anyway, uh, the football sex abuse ring did exist, according to... Well, there's 360 people have come forward now to say that they were abused by uh, certainly a number of coaches, people who would be in a position... But sure, in these football clubs, I'm naive, I don't know, do they just have one coach? They not have an assistant coach, somebody who could sort of watch them. So, in other words, people must know what have been going on for years. Apart from Chelsea, I mean, right at the very top, right at the very top, Chelsea cough up £50,000 to a young man, who's now not a young man, who was abused, he claims, by a coach. They must have believed it. They paid £50,000. Hush money. Hush money. You can have £50,000, but we've got a confidentiality clause, which means you can't talk about it. What, so you were aware of it and you pushed it under the rug? The FA have said that they will find out exactly what's gone on. If there's been anything, you know, out of order, they will come down quite heavy. And I've said, well, let's see how much of a bite the FA's got. I suspect probably not much when you're dealing with these super rich clubs. These are super, super... I mean, does this go to every club in the country? There's about 55 being investigated at the moment. I mean, it's either a very prolific football coach or there's, a, or there's a, a team of people operating out there and it's not just there it's not just there I should imagine you would probably have to check uh, loads of places swimming coaches anybody who sort of comes into contact with oh sorry with uh, with sort of children um, I mean the, to put it into context let's just put it into context there are only about a hundred professional clubs in England and Wales 
But, so, I mean... And as 55 have been indicated, haven't they? 55. The police forces who are... Let's face it. The one thing we're actually trying to do is hang on to the police. Because they're woefully, woefully undermanned. This is something that's going to stretch them to the limit. So, in other words, it'll be a case of... Um, oh, the police are censor, censor, censor. Well, we can't do it at the moment. We're absolutely up to our gunnels. They need to take on thousands of people. And what's the FA doing? Probably sitting there going, oh, God, let's hope this one goes away quickly. They need to make sure they do something. And we need to find out how many clubs were affected. Also, we've heard of lots of former professional footballers who've actually come forward. Are there bigger names in the frame? Do you think if, if somebody who was really big came forward and said, actually, I knew all about this because I was one of those people, do you think that would then change the situation if it was somebody that we were all able to go? Because, I mean, in a lot of cases, I don't know who these footballers are, but only because I don't follow football. If it was people in theatre, perhaps I might be, uh, might be meta ble- uh, better uh, blessed to tell you exactly who they were, but I don't know who these footballers are. Can you imagine if somebody really big came forward? Like, you know, I'm talking big, big names. People you go instantly recognise, you go, oh, wow, it happened to him. Because, you know, I don't see how some kids fall through the uh, fall through the loop and other people don't. I mean, on one of them, one of the boys said that he would he would go into the shower and the coach would come in the shower with him. I mean, you think to yourself, didn't anybody want to say the clubs must have known? You can't just not know about these sorts of things, can you? But, you know, let's wait and see. But I think it's going to run through. Well, in fact, I'm sure it runs through athletics. I'm quite sure. That uh, I read a thing ages and ages ago, and I, I said it last week on the programme, that uh, uh, women's tennis, also, a lot of young girls going onto the circuit were placed under a lot of pressure by older lesbians working the circuit as well, and the, and the coaches and things like that. Now, whether or not Andrew could, could verify that, but I remember seeing a programme on the telly about it, saying it was very difficult for young girls because there was so much pressure, because you tend, it would tend to be more girls going into it than it tends to be boys going into tennis. I don't know why that is. And then, so in football, girls do play football. I don't want to sort of become sexist here and go that girls don't play football. But it turns out that all the people who are claiming abuse, all the ones that I've heard of so far, are all boys. They, th- they, they weren't girls at all, because it, quite clearly it turns out the coaches weren't the remotely interested in, uh, in the girls. They were only interested in the boys. And also the, the women's professional game has been around for a, a lot shorter time. So maybe in 10 years' time, then we'll discover that something was going on there. But, uh, I mean, we, we, we can only hope not. But I have a feeling this runs, this runs for everything. Absolutely everything. I can't... But it, it's interesting when somebody said to me, you know, it's this, the person having control and power over your future prospects. I was, I was trying to think about it the other day. And if you watch this film about the, uh, the Boston Globe, you know, you will think to yourself, my God, I mean, this is just enormous. This, this runs through Vatican City, this, this systematic abuse, the abusing uh, priests who, as I said before, if you want to abuse children, then becoming a priest would be one of the easiest things because everybody trusts the priests. In fact, at the moment the Catholic Church heard about many of their priests who were paedophiles, they just moved them elsewhere. And because people trusted them, you go to, you go to poor places like Mexico, the, the priest is the be-all, end-all. You know, people people trust the priests. The fact that they were that they were abusing, I mean, it, it was absolutely amazing because at the end of the film, they listed all the places that were being investigated systematic child sex abuse by numerous Roman Catholic priests. I mean, it, it it's it's enormous. So now we've got it in football, it, and of course, if you think about it, it's quite logical. Where would you find lots of little boys? who want to kick a football around because they want to be like their heroes. And so it's quite easy. 
And when you get to 11 or 12, everybody in the shower. This One of these coaches, apparently, one of the boys said that um, his parents said, you can go and spend the weekend with, with the coaches and, at his house. People were so naive, they never thought that there was anything like that. And he said, no, I don't, I don't want to do that, because they'd all heard the rumours. Where it goes to from here, as I say, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you, because I don't think any of us know. But I think, I think, I think there's going to be more, isn't there? I think there's going to be more cases coming out. Changing the subject for something nice and light and bright and tight and wonderful. Um, I saw a programme the other day, I think it was 8 out of 10 cats. And Melanie C was on there. And, uh, and Jimmy Carr was saying, so uh, what was it like in the, uh, in the early days of the Spice Girls? And she said it was great. She said we all liked each other. Uh, and, uh, obviously for, and so he said, and they, they did a thing about sharing bedrooms. Sharing, and I can't remember how it, how it came up. And so he said, did you ever have to share a bedroom with the Spice Girls? And, uh, and she said, yes. He said, who did you share um, a bedroom with? She said, Mel B. He said, what was that like? And she looked at him and she went, Interesting. <laughs> that was very telling about Mel B. I think we we know Mel B's likings, don't we? But they, but they did play a little clip from the new Spice Girls single. It's actually very good. Seriously, I didn't think I'd say that. I was not expecting something that sounded really nice. And I can't even remember what it's called. But it's he he, he said he said we're actually going to play you a little clip and she came back and she said it's actually very catchy and it is actually a very catchy record you know if it had been all the Spice Girls then it would have been nice but obviously they can't call themselves Spice Girls so I think they call themselves is it Gem Gem they call themselves Gem so there's only three of them but the G E M oh Jerry Emma oh God why did I not think of that Jerry Emma and and Mel B God, how stupid am I? But uh, but the single is actually really catchy. It's it's sort of it's it's got. In fact, when you hear it, there'll be little bits where you go, "Wait a minute, that sounds like that," or "That sounds like that." And in fact, there's quite a number of bits in it that sound like that. But put all all together, it's actually. Have you found it? We're not having much luck finding it at all, I'm afraid. This one, which is a shame because I wanted to play you a little bit of it, just so you could go. Do you know you're absolutely right? It does sound like quite a few other records that we've heard before. You know, you take little bits out of them, a little bit like I think they call it sampling. Listen, believe you me, I don't even know what I'm talking about. So when I say sampling, I've got no idea, no idea. It just sounds quite exciting. Uh, listening in uh, in Dubai, I don't know what the weather's like actually in Dubai at the moment. I shall find out a little bit later on. I will tell you who the most popular Father Christmases in the movies, out of all the people who've played Father Christmas or Kris Kringle in the movies, which is the one that people went, that's, that's, we found it. <gasps> we think we found it. You want to hear a little tiny bit of this? It's, it's called Song for Her. It's a bit of a naff title, but I mean, on first hearing, I thought it was really quite, quite catchy. So hear a little bit and then, and if you can pick out the bits that I picked out that sound a little bit like something else, then uh, we're on a winner, as they say. Kids are laughing, it's four in the morning Can't help smiling, can't help yawning Ladder in my tights that I think I'll be climbing forever My head's in the days, but the caffeine is fixing Chasing the clock, but I can't stop See, it's building. You know when they say you're building a single, it's like building blocks. You're putting it all together, waiting for the chorus to come in. So they're doing this nice little build-up here with Emma. It's all very cute. 
Classic. Nice little harmonies. Nice harmonies here. Here we go. Sound like it. It's catchy, isn't it? But it does sound like something else. Even the... Oh! <laughs> I think that's really catchy. I think that's such a catchy record. But it does sound like... I can't remember what the other song it was. But it's all little bits of pieces thrown in. But very good. And uh, people like it. People like it. I mean, actually, it's, it's, so, it's so good. It's, it's got to go to number one in the charts. In fact, actually, as a Eurovision, it would be lost. Somebody wrote on one of their things and said, oh, it should be representing us for Eurovision. No, please. Let's not waste time with Eurovision anymore, shall we? But uh, can we also forget about girl power, OK? It never existed. There was never such a thing as girl power. It was all made up. It was all made up. It was just, it was fake. But people like to believe in it. They go, oh, we're girl power. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. There was no, no such thing as girl power. Uh, weather for today. High, seven degrees. Cold, breezy, with sunshine. And a small amount of cloud, a brisk easterly wind, making it feel cold, very cold. And um, another one here, this is from, oh, listening in Dubai, actually, uh, is Adil, which is lovely. And uh, says, I've been working out in Dubai for almost five years. And no matter how much UK telly I watch, listening to your show is the only thing that relieves my homesickness. Plus, I used to live in Richmond. Honestly, not Kew or Twickenham or Sheen or Teddington, but actually in Richmond. Uh, Paul Hollingdale, uh, Griscott, Elsveen. Uh, he's, uh, he's over in Vienna. It's strange, Jeff. I, was th- I must be psychic. I'm totally convinced I'm psychic. Because I was thinking about him the other day, thinking, uh, in, in my sort of dream, I went to Vienna. I won the lottery, and I decided to nip over to Vienna for, uh, for a few days to catch up with some friends, and just to do the, um, the markets over there. But Paul, Paul's done me a long letter, which we'll come round to in a moment, but not before I've given you the time check. No, I'm not giving you a time check. I'm just saying it's Steve Allen's... Early breakfast on Sunday. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. The more we think about it, the more we think the Spice Girls record sounds like You light up my world, the One Direction. Oh, 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 that one, oh, you don't know you're beautiful. What if it's written by the same people? That would be so funny, wouldn't it? If they've actually got sort of another song and they were going to get, well, we were going to give it to One Direction, but frankly, can't be bothered. Let's give it to, uh, let's give it to Jem. It's, It's ever so catchy, but then, oh, shut up. But it, um, but it should be catchy. I have to turn this bloody phone down. Uh, somebody says the chorus sounds like Modern Girl by Sheena Easton. Unfortunately, Graham's fairly ancient, so he, he might know that. I wouldn't actually know that at all. I really wouldn't. Modern Girl by Sheena Easton. Wait a minute. We're actually trying to find out what Modern Girl by Sheena Easton sounds like. And then that, what we do, I'm going to play you a little bit of Modern Girl, Sheena Easton. Then we're going to go back to the Spice Girls. Okay, we're going to test him to the limit this morning to make sure. So th- this is this is Sheena Easton. She's a foul mouthed madam when she came into LBC years ago. I can remember her. Just, the reason I remember Sheena Easton is because on the Breakfast Show with Bob and Doug, they would have a guest on, a celebrity 
three minutes, the interview was. A three-minute, practically a soundbite. And she just won this talent competition on the television. A little girl from Glasgow. And she came in, and I remember somebody saying, oh, Sheena Easton's here. I think Esther Ranson had a programme, and it's called The Big Time. And Sheena Easton was, was sort of found on it. And the language, every other word was the f word. Seriously, I've never heard a language like it, but I thought fairly rough. So, so that, that was Sheena Easton. And we still think it sounds a little bit like One Direction. This is, this is Gem, OK? This, this, this is Gem. This is the new Spice Girls, but there's only three of them. And I think this is really, really catchy. <laughs> It could be, could be One Direction, couldn't it? It's, I mean, it's, it's got everything in it. It's got the little build-up. Oh, you faded it down then. Oh, should we have the chorus bit again? Because we, all right, he's just going to find the chorus. Because the chorus is the thing that sells it. So what, what you get with every song is you get the building bricks. Boom. Okay. In a minute now. Ayo, ayo. There you go. <laughs> it's very catchy, isn't it? I quite, it puts a smile on your face. I'm sorry to say that first thing in the morning. I like to be the person to do it, but we had to let Jem do it as well. But uh, everybody seems to like it. So, going back to Paul in Vienna. Now, Paul has worked over in uh, Vienna for a long time. Worked for the ORF. And he says, dawn is, is breaking here in Vienna. And we uh, promised another clear, sunny day. The festive season in full swing. Thousands of visitors flocking into the city to enjoy the fun and excitement of visiting the spectacular Christmas markets, which have surpassed all expectations. There's even an ice rink installed outside the Rathaus, which is their parliament, which is proving a great attraction. He says, as you know, in a few hours, many Austrians will be up early and out onto the streets ready to vote in the controversial rerun of the presidential election. The world's media are here to witness what could be the start of a complete turnaround in Austrian politics, which had been dominated by the socialists since the end of the Second World War. This election was first run in May, when Alexander van der Bellen, who's the 72-year-old Green Party candidate, narrowly beat 46-year-old Norbert Hofer from the country's Freedom Party. Due to alleged irregularities in the voting system, it was ruled the election be held again, and today... There is a sense of excitement and apprehension as to the outcome. Much mudslinging between the two candidates, reminiscent of the recent US election. Uh, Alexander, the independent former member of the Green, an economic professor, who's accused his opponent of wanting to pull Austria out of the EU. Norbert, one of the deputy presidents of the Austrian parliament, has won support from half of the voters by criticising the government for allowing 90,000 refugees and migrants to enter Austria. They're very funny about migrants going into Austria. I promise you. I mean, I, at one time, it used to, I don't know if it's still the same, if you were Turkish and living in Vienna, the only job that you could ever get is selling the newspaper on the streets. You couldn't get anything else at all. So this, uh, so all of this is sort of, you know, changing things. Much has happened, says Paul Hollingdale, during the past few months to favour him for non-political posts, including Brexit and the surprising emergence of Donald Trump. If Hoffer does win and become president, it wouldn't be at all surprising to hear that President-elect Trump will be among the first on the phone to congratulate him on his new post. There's change in the air, he says. Change in... Oh, my computer's now turned itself off. There we are. Uh, there is change in the air, and it'll be very interesting to actually see what happens. Later on tonight, the bars and beisels in the city will be standing by, ready to serve copious fiertles of wine to celebrate the result. Whatever candidate wins, the election result should be known after 9pm this evening. 
That's uh, very interesting. If Mr Hopper wins, he becomes the EU's first far-right head of state. A bit too close to call at the moment. But Andrew Castle, I know, is going to be talking about that uh, just after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. Thank you, Paul. Nice to hear from you. I hope that uh, the weather... Well, as you say, it's a clear, sunny day in Vienna. Uh, that verse on the Spice Girls song follows a very common chord progression called the pop-punk chord progression. And many songs feature it. That's why it probably sounds so reminiscent. There's a large wiki page on it, and it's central to music theory. Well, there is, I mean, I remember saying to somebody once, is there such a thing as being able to write a hit song? And they said, well, no, there is no formula for writing a hit song. You just have to, just have to be lucky. Ask Don Black. I mean, he's written more hit songs for more people than you could shake a stick at, you know. And it's this, this, it's, I can't describe it. You need to actually see it written down because it's the 50s progression, which uses the same chords, uh, optimistic, pessimistic, the variations. I don't want to go into it, because it's just too... And it would go over your head. Sufficient to say it features in a, in a lot of records which which have got it in there. The Beatles, Let It Be, Bob Marley and the Wailers, No Woman, No Cry, Adele, Someone Like You in the chorus, Mika, Happy Ending, Pink's Perfect, Green Day, When I Come Around, James Blunt, You're Beautiful... That's the one who goes to the private party hosted by Beatrice who tries to inflict pain on people. You remember her, don't you? I thought you might do. Uh, Julie says, counting down the days now to seeing Cinderella at the Palladium and uh, and your show too. Whoa. I know. It's a week tomorrow, my show. A week tomorrow. And I think there is still... Um, I think there's just a couple of seats left. I think you need to go to the LBC website. I think you can go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. And have a check. It's going to be very nice. It's going to be a very sophisticated evening. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's going to be nice. You'll like it anyway, I promise you. It's, it's going to be very, very sweet. And um, Debbie from Upper Norwood was the one that thought it did sound a little bit like uh, Sheena Easton. So you were quite right on that one. Uh, Daniel says, my favourite actor to play Santa Claus is John... Is it John Cal in Santa Claus Conquers the Martians? Oh, Lord. You know, I'll, I'll tell you which, which one it is in a moment. It's, I mean, it won't come as any surprise to anybody, I don't think. Uh, 84850. And da, 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 where are we gone to? Wait a minute. On the subject of um, Tony Beak, Patricia says he's got a fantastic singing voice as well as being a superb dancer. Yeah, he's just irritating. I, I, he, he might have a fantastic singing voice and, and he might be a very good dancer. He's just irritating. He's, he's, um, he's like an oil slick. He's a bit... Um, He's a bit greasy. He looks like the sort of man who tucks his shirt into his pants. Do you know what I'm saying? So that when he sort of leans over, his pants come up with the shirt at the same time. So that's why. No, just just very irritating. Very. It's not his fault. He just can't help being irritating. Also a little bit too smug. Smug, I think. Uh, which would describe Tony Beak very well indeed. Uh, 84850. Amanda says, uh, I love your show. I never thought anybody could make me feel disappointed that I didn't wake up. Until 6am on a Sunday morning. I'll have to go to the podcast. And that's good. I like people doing that. Uh, Steve, the chorus sounds like This Is My Fight song. What's that mean? This Is My Fight So I don't know that one. I, I still think it sounds like the other one. Uh, Anna says, I like the record. I agree with you. Yes, I agree, actually. Uh, Liz says, gymnastics rife with child abuse rumours. Well, I don't know. I mean, seriously, I just think it's going to go... Uh, somebody here says, Steve, the gem song, Melody, is the same as One Direction's You Don't Know You're Beautiful, which was You Light Up My Life. Fight song is by Rachel Platten, released as a single by Columbia Records. And uh, but we don't know her, do we? 
top the charts in the United States and peaked within the single charts of Australia, Canada, New Zealand and the Republic of Ireland. Oh, God. And it got to number one here. Never even heard of it. Got to the top 20 in Slovakia. Sold two million copies. Oh, God, we've never even heard of her. Isn't that funny? Well, there you go. The Stranger Things in Heaven and Earth. Uh, Steve, fabulous pair of in-conversations yesterday, repeated this evening at nine o'clock. I'm telling you, it's worth hearing. The fabulous Joe Malone and uh, the just as fabulous Ken Hom as well. Uh, Joe's got her autobiography out. You should read it. It's a, it's a real good read. And she's very, very interesting, very down to earth, very ordinary. Left school at 15, was making candles and lotions and potions from the age of about 11 in the in the kitchen and turned her dream of something that she loved into a multi-million pound business which she sold to Estee Lauder so even though it's her name and it must be quite interesting to go down the high street and see Joe Malone and go that's me but I sold that company so she's got another company which she's had for a few years now called Joe Loves and they've got one one shop which is in Elizabeth Street which is just off Eaton Square don't park around there. It's a nightmare. I, I tell you that because I was there to pick up some candles a couple of years ago. And I remember thinking, oh, please don't be a traffic warden. Please don't be a traffic warden. Make it so much easier. But uh, And Ken Hom's got... What's he got out? I can't remember, actually. Um, I can't remember whether he's got... Um, he's got his autobiography out as well. I think he's also got autobiography out. So there you go. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, and, uh, and somebody says here... Uh, you obviously don't know how LBC was formed and its foundation was based on giving the time frequently. I think not, actually. I think not, no. Only stupid people like you think that's why LBC was formed. It shows how little you know, doesn't it, really? <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Love people like that. Giving time checks all the time. No, absolutely, no. No, it was not based on giving time checks at all. This is How old is this person? Oh, they're fairly ancient. Right, there you go. Yes, I love the way that I know nothing about LBC. Oh, that's an interesting thing here. Oh, wait a minute, I've now lost it. Wait a minute. Oops, wait a minute. I've now got the little round... Oh, God, honestly. This is very annoying. You know when you get something on the screen and you can't lose it? I now can't lose something off the screen. So I'm going to try something else. Uh, oh, there we go. I've managed, oh, managed it. Oh, no, I can't lose it. I can't do it. I can't get rid of... Yes, yes. Producer's going to have to come fix in here. So much easier. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 26 minutes to seven. And uh, a TV life. It comes free with the Daily Star. Uh, and on their front cover of this little thing, Ola Jordan. Oh, yawn. I mean, your heart just drops, doesn't it? I'm not really body confident. Uh, but luckily, she's got a kit off again for about the umpteenth time to put her underwear on. Class act. Hated by the British public. Third one voted out of our jungle. Bland and boring, the sun described her as. She blended in so well with the vegetation. Poor old soul, honestly. Never mind, love, I'm sure you get a job somewhere. Perhaps you could sort of, I don't know, what else could you do now? Actually, the best thing you can probably do is get yourself pregnant. You know, you were telling us how much you wanted children. That's the only way you're going to make money, isn't it, really? Can't be anything else. And, 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 and. In the, uh, the mail on Sunday today, strictly speaking, a man in a midlife crisis who says so, his wife, this is Ed Balls, I'm a bit bored, I haven't seen him on every programme under the sun. To be honest with you now, it's now very, very dreary, not very exciting. Uh, the seven seconds to find an item, every move filmed, blistering 12-hour shifts with time toilet breaks. How your Christmas order turns Amazon's worker elves into Amazombies. But thank God for that, because they do it very well indeed. And that's what they do it for. 
you know, kind of tough, isn't it, now? We're not going to mamby-pamby people anymore. Misery on the cards as the post office staff planned Christmas week strike. We don't want that, do we? We definitely don't want that. We want to get all our Christmas presents in. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Rod Stewart's home. It's on the market. I can't remember how much they were looking for. Um, they, they've dropped uh, 500000 off the price, which is quite a lot to drop off a price. It's only a £7 million property. It's got its own football pitch and everything else, but it's a bit chintzy. Well, you see, I don't mind chintzy. There's probably loads of you listening going, I, I could do chintzy as well, Steve. I, I really could do chintzy. Uh, dreary old Sarah Ferguson, who turned up late. Uh, it's fashionable to be late, apparently. And she turned up for the Curry Awards wearing the sari incorrectly. I mean, the woman is a complete idiot, isn't she? From from top of her head to the uh, little tip of her toes. Uh, now four players named the child abuser who still works in the game. This schoolboy star says the club must have known about it. We had to queue up for naked soapy massages. I was 11 and he was not alone. But he doesn't know who these other people were. He doesn't know who they were at all. He has no idea. And dun, 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 dun. what else have we got in the paper today? It's a bit difficult finding anything. It doesn't have the word football on it. But, um, but the Nazi POW who left the fortune to a Scottish village. This is Heinrich Steinmeier. He was captured in Normandy in 1944 and held as a prisoner of war at a camp in a Scottish village. He's now left them almost £400,000 in his will. The generous gift was Heinrich's reward for the hospitality the people of Comrie and Perthshire showed to the callow youth conscripted into the Waffen-SS as a grenadier in the closing stages of the war. And uh, so he's given them this, this money. Despite being classed as a hardline Nazi, he was shown only affection by Comrie's 2,000 villagers. Cigarettes, food and money were smuggled to prisoners by locals. And so he decided to pay them back. They don't know what to do with it. So what they're going to do is they've uh, put it in a Heinrich Steinmeier legacy fund. Then they can decide what to, what to do with it later. I hope it's, it's, put to, it's supposed to be for the elderly people who live in the village. So, I mean, that's a nice... Well, it would have been a nice Christmas present for them if somebody hadn't decided to take it away from them and put it in a, in a fund. But, I mean, no, I'm sure they will, they will sort something out eventually. A uh, picture here of... Uh, oh, it's Diane... Uh, no, it's not. It's um, Danielle Bucks laughing. They called a model. I don't remember the last modelling shop she ever did. She was, uh, she was married to, uh, to Gary uh, Lineker. Uh, but uh, now, luckily, she went out the other day with a photographer and she's got some new bloke. Uh, in L.A. Oh, dear. Poor old Gary. Never mind. I'm sure he'll find happiness at some point in his life. When? We've got no idea. Uh, also, um, I mentioned the famous five books, which are very good indeed. Uh, Robbie Williams. You never expect him not to have an opinion. Although, actually, to be honest with you, he's a bit daft, isn't he? He's a bit... He comes from... Where does he come from? Is it Staffordshire or something like that? Perhaps they're all like him up there. But anyway, it seems there's one area in which he's... Uh, resolutely stum. When I asked how he voted in the Brexit referendum, he said, I've never voted in my life. I've never understood it. I don't understand politics. I've never voice, voted for anyone. There's never been anyone I've seen as worth voting for. It's never been my thing. Uh, so do I have an understanding of the working class feeling left out? No, I don't. And so he doesn't, he doesn't vote. Simpleton. Aren't you see that other woman in the paper the other day? I only, only read it briefly. She's got a vegetarian restaurant in Cambridge. Apparently, and she's not taking the new fivers, not taking the new fiver. So I'm recommending that you all go down there and you order all your food. OK, and you get loads of food and then you go, oh, I've only got that fiver. And if there's like 20 of you, she's going to have to start taking the fivers, isn't she? She won't take it because it's got beef in it or something. I mean, it's it's trace. It's true. This is this. This, you know, Nick Ferrari had an absolute field day with this the other day. 
and it probably went on his uh, on his uh, best of when he was sort of talking about loony vegans and, uh, and so he ate a five pound note on air. Whether he actually swallowed it, I don't know. I've never heard of anybody actually wanting to eat a five pound note. Anyway, as I said, I mean, the moment I mentioned having his stomach pumped, he sort of he hot footed it out of the building very quickly. But uh, so she said, because it's got beef in it, she's not going to. Um, She's not going to be accepting it. And so she's put a notice on the window of the cafe. That's why I think it'd be so much fun to go round there, all order loads of foods. They make everything up special. And then you queue up and you pay with the fiver and you go, I've only got these. Now, I'm not sure if she's legally allowed to turn it away. It's legal tender. Why is she? I mean, how is she allowed? The, the Bank of England wouldn't comment on that one. We tried to find an answer the other day and uh, there was no answer as to whether or not you have to take money. Tony, who's a tube driver, he says, Amazon may find your item in seven seconds, but yesterday I waited in all day after receiving a text saying it was being delivered and they never turned up. Wasted a day. Could have been out shopping. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting for something. He said, oh, don't worry, it's, it's out for delivery. Well, I don't know where it's coming from. The moon, this item. Ridiculous. Uh, Julie says, did you hear Anton sing on Strictly? No, I'm not interested in Tony singing at all. I'm really not, actually. Uh, second Sunday in Advent. Greetings. Cardiff's Christmas trees have been criticised. It's actually quite pretty. Quite pretty, Steve. Standing in front of the famous castle and a group of reindeer models. We went to a garden centre the other day near my uh, brother. Uh, just have a, I didn't buy it. There was nothing I needed. And, um, and they had live reindeer there, which you could pet. You could pet the reindeer and you could feed them as well. But the, you know the one good thing that they had there, which I thought was really interesting, very, very telling, hand wash. After you touch the reindeer hand wash and everybody was doing it so that I was quite pleased about and uh, that was quite nice seeing live my brother's girlfriend was thrilled I don't think she's ever seen um, live reindeer before I did say to her when we went through the garden centre out in the back to have a look for them she said um, she said um, aren't they small I said yeah reindeer are lots I think people think that they're enormous Um, what's this one here oh Tim John is he down at the Jingle Bell Ball today? I think the Jingle... No, it's Saturday, Sunday, isn't it? I thought so. I don't know. I never get invited. It's all. For, it's for young people. It's not for people of my age. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it was way too loud. You have to turn the sound down. I thought it was on... Uh, I might be wrong. I'm, I'm pretty certain it's Saturday and Sunday. And... Um, I am right. Ha! Thank goodness for that. There you go, you see. And uh, I reckon... Tim will probably be down there. Everybody's down there. I think yesterday they had Little Mix and uh, Nathan Sykes. Sickeningly good looking. And uh, uh, Dua Lipa. Uh, also, Ollie Murs was there. And uh, all sorts of people yesterday. And that's uh, Craig David was there. I had a dream about Craig David. Not a, not a physical dream about Craig, because I don't know Craig David. But uh, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably, probably sort of surface in about 30 years' time. So I'm sure it's actually going on today. And uh, in fact, actually, Tim is actually en route to the uh, to the capital. That's the best gig in the world, isn't it? That's the best gig in the world, to go down there to actually... Is it, oh, I should imagine you have to get there very early. I should imagine you have to get there very early to, you know... But that must be quite exciting. I mean, you know, the, the bigger some of these events are, the more exciting they actually turn out to be, aren't they? And so that must be quite... Oh, he's phoning now. <laughs> I bet he's phoning. I bet he's phoning to tell us all about it. It wasn't... Oh, well, how disappointing. Oh, right. But, uh, I mean, that's quite... When you've got sort of, you know, the clash of egos and everything else. Some people in France eat reindeer for Christmas Day. We had it in Lapland. We had reindeer stew. 
It was a case of you've seen the film, you've met the cast, now eat it. So, uh, and they are, they are, but they use everything in, in Lapland. On the reindeer, the Lapish people up there, um, after the animal's been skinned, they use the skins, which they put over the big blocks of ice, uh, to sit on. And uh, they use it for bed coverings and everything else. And they use every part of the of the animal because there's hundreds of thousands of them. But they're wild. We, we, over there, we were told, don't don't touch the reindeer. They'll take your hand off. But they're little. Very, you know, antlers look, look pretty dangerous to me. And um, it was interesting. Very interesting. But the ones we saw yesterday were lovely. They were ever so friendly. I mean, like, really, really friendly. I think we should bring them in here. Because when we had, uh, I missed them at the Christmas uh, light turn on in Twickenham. We had three camels as well. As I said, finding the three wise men around Twickenham was slightly, slightly difficult. Uh, what else we got here? Let's take some more of your texts and emails before we get back into the papers. Was the, the new fiver Nick Ferrari ate last week half of his fiver a day, says Colin. Um, and then Lewis says, I wonder whether or not these stupid vegans wear leather shoes or belts. Well, I don't know. I couldn't comment on that. See, I don't care what anybody does. I couldn't care... What, what people eat doesn't make any difference to me at all. But, I mean, to start saying, oh, we're not going to accept these fibres. I bet you up until now she's been accepting these fibres. It's only just recently she's discovered that uh, it's obviously got trace elements of something in there she doesn't like. So she's decided to. I, but the first thing I thought of was a queue of people outside all ordering loads of food and presenting the, these fibres just to really annoy her. Because, um, as I say, we, we can't find out whether or not it's illegal to not accept money. Because it's, it's, it's Queen's currency. It's not... Uh, can't be any rule about it, can there? Call Clive Bull and uh, and Daniel Barnett uh, on Wednesday. They'll they'll be able to tell you that one uh, on the legal hour. So is it illegal to uh, to turn money away? I mean, I always thought you could do it with Scottish twenty pound notes or something like that because people look at it and go, oh, "Have you got something else?" And people who've been to I used to come back from Scotland and it, I couldn't resist coming back with with sort of Scottish money, Scottish. Money. Because it just looked... I thought it was a bit more decorated than us. Uh, the victim on how he wrote to the football officials. I warned the FA, says this man, 30 years ago. 30 years ago. And, of course, the answer is going to come back. Well, that was 30 years ago. You know, like there's Chelsea are saying at the moment. Uh, well, you know, that was old Chelsea. This is new Chelsea. No, no. Two years ago, you paid £50,000 to a man who claimed he'd been abused by somebody working at the club. And uh, you made him sign a disclaimer form that he wouldn't talk about it. Two years ago, Chelsea. Two years ago. Don't uh, don't push it under the mat. People don't want to know about that. They want to know exactly what went on. How many other people from, from Chelsea? How many other people, I wonder, are sitting there wrestling with their conscience at home thinking, well, I was abused as a as a child whilst going for football training. Never, I mean, it never crossed my mind. I seriously did not ever think that football would be something that would be infiltrated by this. I thought it was too butcher game. It's like saying the world of boxing is infiltrated by paedophiles. I just don't kind of see it. Transsexuals, maybe, but uh, obviously not uh, not paedophiles. I just because I, it just, I just don't see it. But then, how do we know? Going back into sort of you know young boys doing boxing, how do we know what's it? It could be anywhere. Could be absolutely anywhere. Fourteen? No, it's not. Third. Oh, I'm not telling you the time. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Well, you're pretty nice to be company. Ten to seven is the time. Still to come. Oh, naughty, naughty, Katie Price. Naughty, naughty, Katie Price. Katie Price, the criminal. In a moment. Wonderful start to the Christmas period, says Brian in uh, Ryslip. Uh, we went to Wilton's Music Hall. 
I don't know if you've ever been to Wilton's. It is the last surviving music hall in the country. It's so atmospheric. I mean, it really is atmospheric. And uh, it's Roy Hudd's second pantomime there, Mother Goose. Roy is, of course, president of the British Music Hall Society and the Max Miller Appreciation Society. Large groups of members there to uh, kick off his month-long run. Not often seen, Mother Goose. Great storyline for Panto. This production is top-notch live music. Fabulous costumes and scenery and an excellent cast. A show for all age groups. There's going to be a lot of people enjoying it as it starts its full month run. Perfection at sensible ticket prices. Go online and check out Wilton's Musical. I mean, I, I only say that to you because I know that many of you share my love of, uh, of old bits of London history. And this is an old bit of London history. You need to see Wilton's Musical. Seriously, even if you... It doesn't matter how old you are. You'll love Roy Hudd. And I'm sure the cast are fabulous. And Mother Goose... Bit, bit trad, as they say. Bit trad. So uh, go have a look. Go have a look. And uh, another one here, very quickly. Noreen says, uh, hope you're well. Feels cold. Not long to the Hippodrome. Lots of us getting excited. Uh, yes, everybody's getting a bit excited about this show at the Hippodrome, including the people here. They keep saying to me, so, well, what are you going to be talking about, Steve? I said, oh, I don't know yet. I shan't know until I walk on. Well, I mean, I have a rough idea in my mind. I've sort of been through a few little bits and pieces, but I'm sure it'll be nice. It'll be nice to see everybody for the festive season. I'll be your little treat. Uh, getting excited in Strictly semi-finals next week. And by the way, the song certainly sounds like Sheena Easton's one. Yeah, we thought so. And One Direction, a, a cross between the both of them. Phil says, I was wondering how it works. Jo Malone designs and makes candles, unique to her, then sold the company and now has another company designing and making candles. Does that mean she can't make a candle that looks like the old ones? No, she can't use the same scents because she sold Jo Malone's. And that's, you know, lime basil and mandarin and all different things. So Jo Loves is all completely different. It's still a candle in a jar. And the packaging is different. She's used different colours. And it's all different scents as well. Now she's got Thai lime over mango. Sounds delicious. I've got the shower gel. And the shower gel is, is a little bit, little bit special. Although I'm one of these people... I, I said to Joe, because each one of their shower gels comes with um, a pump thing. You put on the top, you screw it on, and you, you pump it up. I said, I don't do that. She said, she said, do you dollop? I said, I dollop. I said, because I want lots of lots of scent, and I love mango, and I love Thai lime, and it just sounds quite exciting. And it was very fresh and beautiful. And so, uh, so that's why. The interview this evening is, uh, is on at nine o'clock. Joe Malone and Ken Hom, not to be missed. And then you can download them as well. Uh, 84850. Ellen, obviously slightly deaf. She says, vegans do not wear leather shoes or belts. I didn't say they did, darling. You must wash your ears out and listen properly. I cannot help somebody who cannot hear properly, OK? This programme is not designed for you at all. Why are you attacking people? Is that, I wasn't attacking people. You obviously aren't listening at all. You're obviously very ancient, Ellen. And um, so there you go. Of course, Ellen brings up Muslims for some reason. I think you're slightly cracked, but there you go. Uh, I'm sure you're very happy in the home that you are, and I'm sure that Matron will increase your medication a little bit later on today, which will be good. And uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Oh, yes, this, oh, quickly. The story about Katie Price. She goes out to uh, to go to a tanning salon. you think the poor soul could actually afford a tanning bed at home, but obviously she can't. And so she goes out, and she's parked outside the tanning salon, but she's used the disabled sticker. And of course, as we all know, ladies and gentlemen, 
except Ellen, uh, that you have to have the person for whom the disabled badge is made for in the vehicle. Harvey was not in the vehicle. She just decided to flout the law. It carries a £1,000 fine. Uh, So far, they're still waiting for a response. Somebody obviously photographed her. And so she parks outside the tanning salon and uh, goes in there by sticking the disabled badge on there. You crook. You crook. It's no good saying, I'm going to pick Harvey up. You're using the badge illegally. The person for whom the badge is intended has to be in the vehicle. Simple as that. And unless you've popped him in your pink wash bag that you're holding, I think it's highly unlikely. So uh, maybe a £1,000 fine for you. It's not the first time she's uh, fallen foul of uh, of these uh, sort of things. But uh, there again, she thinks she knows best, but uh, now we know she's crooked. So that's always interesting, isn't it? Uh, Oh, yes. Who was the favourite Father Christmas? It was Richard Attenborough. Richard Attenborough is everybody's Father Christmas. That's the one that people like. I like all of them. I think I like I suppose if you were looking at somebody who did look like Father Christmas, Dickie Attenborough would be the person that you would probably go for uh, in Miracle on 34th Street. This is the version made in 1994. It was uh, this the the 94 version was produced by John Hughes, uh, Richard Attenborough, Mara Wilson. You know, the little girl who is who's so good. Elizabeth Perkins, Dylan McDermott. It's lovely, actually. And so New York City's based Macy's department store uh, declined any comment with the remake. So they came up with Coles. Gimbals had gone out of business, since it was replaced by the fictional Shoppers Express. Can you imagine that the other supermarket, the other um, shop, didn't want uh, to be associated with it? They should have been, actually. Runs 114 minutes. Worth it. Worth it. I loved it. Took 40, 46 million at the box office. It's a lovely film, actually. Do you know what I've got to watch today? I've just, it's just arrived in from uh, America. Half a sixpence with Tommy Steele, which I, which I very much enjoy. Uh, really enjoy. I think it's great. And I thought Tommy Steele was fantastic in it. Uh, also, uh, Home Alone. That was produced by John Hughes as well, wasn't it? Home Alone. I think John Hughes did that one and discovered Macaulay Culkin. I liked all of the Home Alones. I thought he was he was very good. He kind of went off the rails, though, didn't he? Do you know that, that Home Alone took more than £360 million at the box office? Phenomenal amount of money, isn't it? Absolutely phenomenal amount of money. And the guest star in Home Alone 2... Uh, who who actually played... Come on, this, this is your quick question before we finish this morning. Who played the Plaza Hotel owner? Come on, come on. Donald Trump. Donald Trump was the Plaza Hotel owner before he became President of the United States of America. I still can't believe I say it. Uh, it's very good. Joe, Joe Pesci's in it, Macaulay Culkin, Rob Schneider... Uh, who's very, very good. I mean, some really good people. Tim Curry as Mr Hector, the concierge. That, uh, Tim Curry, quite brilliant. Have I? And Brenda Fricker, of course. Brenda Fricker as well. Loads of people. Really good. I loved... And you can buy the box set of all of those. They're all out now. All the Home Alones, including the guest appearance of Donald Trump as the Plaza Hotel owner, which is lovely. Uh, David Huddleston in Santa Claus, the movie with Dudley Moore, was a good Santa. And Leslie Nielsen in Disney's Santa, who says Chris in Cardiff. And Paul says, I woke up extra early to go jogging, but I still can't muster the strength to turn off the radio. It's not easy on a Sunday morning, isn't it? And uh, it must be illegal to discriminate against non-vegans, says Anne. Look at the trouble the Asher Bakery had in Belfast when they didn't want to decorate a cake. I know. Somebody says, would it be appropriate to use a new fiver in a stew if you run out of Oxo? (laughs) I don't think there's actually enough in it. It's Trace. Seriously, I mean, you couldn't even measure it. It's so infinitesimally small, but so funny. And uh, 
It's very funny. Listen, sadly, I've got no more time. I have to, uh, I have to go. Uh, and the reason I have to go is because I think I shall be going online just... Uh, no, what am I... Oh, no, I'll tell you what I'm doing today. Stamps. I'm writing cards today. And I'm doing stamps. So I'm going to go out and get a load of... And I'm hoping there's some really nice Christmas stamps. Because if I buy the stamps, they're a little bit cheaper to buy them in Costco. They don't do the Christmas stamps. They just do the book of 12 stamps or whatever it is. So I might have to go and get stamps now. But I did... How much is the first class stamp? How much is that? Is it... I don't even know. Isn't that, isn't that dreadful that we don't know these things? But anyway, better things to worry about than worrying about the price of stamps, I suppose. I'll be back nine o'clock this evening on LBC within conversation. Joe Malone, Ken Hom. It's brilliant. Do not miss it. You can listen to LBC whenever you are and wherever you want to. <laughs> that made no make sense, did it? Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at ten, it's Katie Hopkins. But right now, for breakfast, Andrew Castle. Oh, man, there's only one Steve Allen. How much is a first-class stamp? There's our talking point this hour. I don't know. Is it 39p? Uh, We'll discuss that. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.